Step three. Got it! Oh, how good is Steph Curry? On one, James. Oh, you LeBron drops the anvil. Marines go to the deep end. It's time for Under the Hood Basketball Pod with Jay Hood. What's up, everybody, and welcome in to the Under the Hood Basketball Podcast with me, Jay Hood. Brought to you by Manscaped, manscaped.com. Guys, you know you need below-the-waist grooming tips. Well, you, let me tell you something. Manscaped.com will help you right away. Use my promo code HOOD, that's H-O-O-D, and save 20%. They've got the Lawnmower 4.0. They've got the Crop Duster. If you need some issues solved down there below the waist and you want to smell good and you want to look good for your significant other, consider Manscaped.com. We all need it. You need it as well. It's a great gift for someone or definitely for you. Manscaped.com. Uh, use the promo code HOOD and save 20% off your order. All right, let's talk about basketball because if you need basketball, you need some more, I got it for you right here on this podcast, the Under the Hood Basketball Podcast. First and foremost, we will have our three things we're going to talk about. Also, we're going to hear from Quentin Richardson, Chicago's own, from a Knuckleheads podcast. He's going to be my special guest here on the podcast. Quentin Richardson works for Bally's Orlando, so he has a keen eye on what's happening with the Orlando Magic. And, of course, he keeps tabs on what's going on around the crib here in Chicago with the Chicago Bulls. So we'll talk to him about that and more. Number one. Let's talk about the Bulls. The Bulls lost to the Orlando Magic the other night uh, by the score 100-91. to So here's what's interesting about this. It's not just that the Bulls lost again because water's wet. Of course the Bulls are going to lose against a team that's underachieving. But you know what? The thing i got to stop saying is that the Bulls are losing against teams that are are less than you know a, a team that's going to be in a position where they can't get to the playoffs or they're tanking. You know, I don't know what the Bulls are doing, but the Bulls are one of the dregs of the league as well. Look at that one loss record. Look how many teams that they've lost to. And what you think, or oh, Orlando and Oklahoma City, Detroit, some of these other teams, they're not playing well. Well, the Bulls aren't playing well either. So here's a little cherry on the crap Sunday when it comes to the Bulls, right? So think about this. Did the trade deadline serve the Bulls well? No, of course not, because the Bulls decided to do nothing at the deadline. And they're just standing pat with what they have. But here's the Orlando angle to this. They're likely to give up a very nice pick to Orlando from the Vucevic trade. And since they didn't move Vucevic at the deadline, it's safe to say that they're going to resign him this summer. Question marks about Vucevic is going to be around. Yeah, I think he, they will resign him this summer. But I just want to point this out, too. It's safe to say that they're going to resign him this summer, but it's a big pile of just whatever as everyone waits for Lonzo Ball. Lonzo Ball is not coming back this season. I know we continue to hear that about how he stabilized the defense, but I'm convinced that Lonzo Ball is not the difference between the Bulls competing with Milwaukee and not. I don't think that that's the case. Lonzo is a nice piece, but as far as him being able to be the ultimate difference maker for the Bulls, I just think that that's hogwash. I don't believe that. So the the Bulls probably will be hanging around the ninth or 10th spot in the East. But here's the disconnect that we talk about so much on the show. DeMar DeRozan, Zach Levine. In a league that's all about load management, where stars sit out because, not because the players want to, but because the doctors and the personnel and the front offices say, hey, I want you to sit out. Well, DeMar DeRozan and Zach Levine are playing a lot. But it really does not matter because the Bulls, as is, aren't good enough to take on some of the upper echelon teams and definitely the worst teams in the NBA. But here's the, the angle, right? So with DeMar DeRozan and Zach Levine, maybe they're going to be in a play-in game. But if they do play in that game, 
you know that the Bulls will add another pick to Orlando. Top four protected? That would be an outright disaster. They've given enough to Orlando. But as I saw here from Sports Illustrated, barely hanging on to the 10th spot in the East with Toronto, right on their heels. DeRozan and Levine should have you play in the play-in tournament. So missing out on that while owing your pick to Orlando would be awful. Yes, there is value of getting into the playoffs, but imagine the Bulls not getting into the playoffs and still giving away their future to the Orlando Magic, who's getting better. That's the issue with this Bulls team. They're not getting better. They're underachieving. You say, why? People say, well, it's got to be on Billy Donovan. Well, Billy Donovan is one of the reasons why the Bulls are underachieving, but the players have not been able to come together. These parts don't fit. The Rosen style and Levine style just don't fit on this team. That's my number one issue that I have for the NBA podcast. Number two. Zion Williamson. So I say Zion Williamson and you say what? Zion Williamson, he recently suffered a setback in his rehab from a right hamstring strain that held him out of the lineup since January 2nd. The EVP of basketball operations, David Griffin, who I've done talk shows with on Sirius XM NBA radio, he informed reporters in a news conference before the team headed out to its final road trip before the All-Star break that it's going to be multiple weeks before we see Zion Williamson. Here's a number that will stagger you. It may not surprise you, but it'll stagger you for someone like Zion Williamson. I want you to take a look at this. It's a bigger blow for Williamson, who continues to struggle to stay off the injury list. He's already missed 28 games this season and 141 games over the course of three seasons in the NBA. He's missed 141 games because of injury, and he's been there three seasons. Now, we remember Zion Williamson with Duke, right? He blew out of his shoe, big guy. And the thing that people said is, well, there's no way you can stay healthy with that body frame. And of course, I was rooting for him because I said, hey, you know what? Prove the haters wrong. People say that you cannot play with that body. And it's, it's a package that we have never seen before. The great thing about sports for me is to be able to see something we haven't seen before. We've seen Carl Malone, but then we've seen LeBron James. Now we see Zion Williamson, and we see that frame, 270, 280 pounds or whatever he is, and we've seen him be explosive, dunking the basketball and you know, being able to shoot from the outside. But you know what? What's happening here is that Zion Williamson is not being able to stay healthy, what people said. And I was hoping that people would be wrong, but 141 games for the Pelicans, that's a lot. Now here's something else about David Griffin. He has been, um, I won't say dishonest, but he's really been trying to keep it quiet about what is going on with Zion Williamson. He's you know, kind of avoiding the press at times. I want to know what's really up with him. Is he going to play at all for the rest of the season? There was a lot of things that were on the positive side for the Pelicans. They've been, uh, say, 6-15 and 15 over the last 21 games. They were in the middle of a 10-game losing streak. That team had momentum at the end of the, uh, their playoff run last year, and now they're going in the wrong direction. But Zion Williamson has been the pinnacle of this, um, and so hopefully he'll get back on the floor. But will it be this year? I don't know. But I just know that his career has been marred with injuries. Number three. Before we hear from Quentin Richardson here on the Under the Hood Basketball Podcast is this, is your questions on Facebook, facebook.com. Go to Jonathan Hood. You can uh, follow me there. I asked a question. I said, hey, give us your thoughts. Any questions you have, we will answer them here on the podcast. Jeff Kasmer says, should we revisit the rumored Levine trade with the Knicks? That's from Jeff Kasmer. Well, Jeff, so... I think it's pretty clear. I think it's pretty clear to everyone 
that Zach Levine is a a good player, but not a great difference-making player as a number one. I think that Zach Levine is a top player. I gave him the benefit of the doubt for a while saying he's a top 30 player. And actually, I don't know if I'd put him in the top 30 now when I really take a look at it because DeMar DeRozan might be in that top 30 the way he's consistent and now has that smooth mid-range game. But can I say the same for Zach Levine? And some of you say, well, Hood, wait a minute now. Look at those numbers he puts up. It's not on him. When you are making the bag, when you are securing the bag, and you are the number one guy on the team, you would think that this team could be better. It's just not working. Now, again, it's not, it can't be him on his own. But in clutch situations, many times and not, Levine's not coming through, and he's supposed to be the guy on this team. So as far as him going to the Knicks, you know, I think that – a good organization, I'm not saying the Bulls are, but a good organization will look at this and say, okay, how can we change the fortunes for this team? Because running it back is not good enough. That's exactly what the Bulls did at the deadline. How disappointing was it that the Bulls didn't do anything at the deadline? Now no, we're fine. To the point where our tourist Connor Shelvis, and I'm not, I'm not kidding you, if you heard the press conference, he pretty much was looking at free agency and the draft. He was talking about that in the press conference, almost saying, we're just going to go with what we have, and then we'll see what happens at the end of the season, and then we'll take a look at free agency in the draft. As if they've turned the page on the season. How crazy is that? That's exactly what he was talking about. So should the Bulls and Knicks be able to sit down and think about something? Absolutely. If it starts with Zach Levine, you have to do that. Because going backwards, you know, being a team that is uh, tanking or trying to get the number one pick, the number two pick, I don't know if they can be developed under Billy Donovan. Billy Donovan was not in here to coddle and work with young players. He was in here to be able to take a veteran-laden crew and be able to push them further. That's what, that's what he does. Working with young players and a totally young team, I don't know if that's what Billy Donovan signed up for. So Justin uh, Juice Rothman says, did we make the right move by not making a move? No, you absolutely had to look for something in shooting. And I'm going to combine that question with a question from Ed Reyes, who says, who in the buyout market makes sense for the Bulls to sign? Well, you do make a move because you want to be able to add shooting. Do you believe that Gordon Drogic is the guy that can be able to lead this team? He's a veteran guard. There's several problems with this Bulls team. You do not have a lead guard, and not in the traditional sense because basketball has changed. It's not like just the guard that brings the ball up, you know, 100 possessions and never scores. He just passes the basketball to initiate offense. What I'm looking for is a guard that can be able to shoot the three ball uh, and also a guard that can be able to make others better. Now, that's not on the scrap heap, clearly, but you've got to be able to address that because you just can't just depend on Lonzo Ball to return. You have to do something about it today. Uh, and so I would say that for sure the Bulls should have been able to at least get more scoring. Kobe White is not that guy. I, think, I just think that uh, he is just someone that can get hot at times and other times not so much because we've seen this inconsistency with his game. And so if I'm the Bulls, I definitely look at that. Uh, I, I would have addressed that at the, uh, the deadline. They say that they picked up the phone. They say they tried to find someone. But guys, 28 out of 30 teams in the league, even the ones that are tanking, made a, made a move, and the Bulls did not. How'd that happen? 20 out of the 38 teams made a deal. The only team that didn't, the Bulls, and the other one was the Cavaliers. How'd that happen? I don't know, but it happened. Um, so, no, they should have been able to get shooting because that's needed on this team. You see how poorly they've shot from three of the last four or five games, including only three, I think it was three, 
for 18 or something like that against Orlando. My God, it was a, it was a lot. So uh, three for 21. Thank you, Jay Moore. Three for 21. That's a, that's a ton. Wayne Pierce says, have the Bulls given in to who they are as a 500 team willing to settle in for the play-in tournament? Uh, yeah, they are. This is who they are. But again, just ask any basketball fan. Zach Levine, DeMar DeRozan, Vucevic. Can you win with those three? Yeah, you can. If someone conforms to say, okay, this is Levine's day. This is DeRozan's day. There's a disconnect between all of that. And I don't know if it's passive aggressiveness with this team internally, but you've got to be able to figure this out. You've got to be able to figure this out if you are the Bulls. Now, Billy Donovan's fit to be tied because I'm sure that he's like, okay, I'm the coach that just rolls the ball out and just tries to inspire and you know, try to give you some offensive sets. We're not seeing that. It's my turn offense. So, yeah, they have given in. This will not be a team that's in the top six or the top eight, unfortunately, because they continue to underachieve, Wayne. That's who they are. Two questions from Steven Taylor says, do you think that the front office is committed to winning or simply making money? Well, they are committed to winning to an extent. The money's always going to be there. You know, that's an old refrain that the Bulls or Reinsdorf teams are only there to make money. Well, what owner isn't in business to make money? Let's, let's, let's start there, right? I don't care if you the, the Woeful Houston Rockets or the Golden State Warriors or the Milwaukee Bucks or the Detroit Pistons. What are you in business for if you're an owner? You're there to make money. But as I always say, since I'm, always, I'm already a millionaire, I'm already locked in uh, and making a lot of money, hand over fist, TV money, everything else, then while I'm an owner, I'm going to win. And I want to see that from this Bulls team. The reason why the Gar and Pax were chased out of town is because you want to see something different. All right, nothing wrong with that. But at the same time, you bring in Arturis Karnaschovas and Mark Eversley, and nothing's really changed. What's the difference between the two? It's not like we didn't see the Bulls in the playoffs in the Gar Pax era, but you don't see the movement going forward for this Bulls team. I don't see the direction for this Bulls team. So, no, they're committed to winning to an extent, but making money, of course, is what they want to do. What owner doesn't? Do you think that Donovan lost his lost the locker room? Um, do I think Billy Donovan's lost the locker room? I think Billy Donovan has lost Zach Levine. That's the problem. I think that he's lost Zach Levine. I think that is the issue. Um, and, and I don't know how that gets better because they have to continue to work with one another. If Billy Donovan says, hey, Zach, I need you to go to the basket more and shoot the ball less from the outside, and he does the opposite, what's the coach supposed to do? Bench him? And if you bench him, who's going to replace that talent? And then, then you lose the entire locker room because one of the team leaders, Zach Levine, is not getting playing time. It's crazy, but it's true. It's, tr- it's, it's absolutely crazy what's going on with this team. I, know, I don't think he's a horrible coach. I think that, that Billy Donovan is a good coach. There's no question, but the team's underachieving. And even though you hear his explanations and he's trying to bulls explain his way through it, I just think that the bulls are stuck and he's stuck. He can tell them all these different things to what to do offensively and defensively, and that dog don't hunt, and I don't understand why. Our special guest is from right here in Chicago, Quentin Richardson from the Knuckleheads podcast. As we have our conversation, download the Knuckleheads podcast as he does it with Darius Miles. He joins me here, Jay Hood, on the Under the Hood podcast as always, I appreciate it, Q. Thanks for coming on the show. No, nah, much love, Joe. You already know it. Man, listen, I, I need to connect with you on a couple of levels. First, 
uh, your Orlando Magic beat the Bulls again uh, <laughs> last night. Yeah, it's just, yeah. it's just, I, I just need your expertise on this because it's not just the Bulls, but any team that underachieves. You've seen this because you've been around the league for so long. When you have a roster that you feel like at least one through three, one through four is talented, why does a team underachieve like the Bulls? I mean, it could be a lot of different things. Man, I don't, I don't know that locker room and, and, and you know, being that environment to know exactly what's going on. But I think a huge part of what's going on with them is, you know, Lonzo Ball not being healthy, man. I think he was a, a big part of uh, what they were doing, you know, from a, from a point guard and distributing the ball. And uh, I don't think he got enough credit for the way he defended the ball. And um, them not having him available this, this uh, whole season has hurt them tremendously. I'm sure you're hearing back here in the shy what's going on, right? I mean, this, this, I think that many looked at the Bulls as a team that could at least take another step in the playoffs. You get to the playoffs and you fall short against a very good Milwaukee Bucks team. But then this team, again, losing against teams that are either tanking, teams that are underachieving, but the Magic have their number. Like, I, like if I told you you have a team that has Zach Levine, DeMar DeRozan, and Vucevic on it, don't you think that you'd be able to pay dividends? Don't you think you'd be able to win more games than what we've seen? I mean, I agree, man, but I think I think we're, we're seeing some, some different things this season, man. I mean, you just said that, you know, the Magic have the Bulls number. Yeah. Would you believe me if I said that the Magic also have the Boston Celtics number? We didn't smack them three straight times. <laughs> like, seriously. And it was, like, you know, contested. Like, you know, it was trash talk going on, and they, they the last three up, three down against the, 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 against the Boston Celtics, the number one team in the NBA. So it's like... It's uh, you know, things is kind of situational, man. The talent is kind of leveling out, and it's a lot of parity in the league. I think that's one of the things that I'm most excited for is the the, the parity that's, that's in the league, and you don't really know it as much as you think you know. Here's what's interesting: I think that Wendell Carter Jr. when he sees the Bulls coming, I think he has a chip on the shoulder, and rightfully so, right? He's played exactly. for the Bulls. I, I think that there's, and but you love to see that in the league, right? Is I love players taking it personal, like okay, so you tell me that I'm not good enough. To play for this team okay i'm about to whack your ass 15 points and and every time he plays the bulls he plays with a ruthless aggression like he's going to the basket he's snatching rebounds i gotta give him credit he's like okay you don't want me well i'm gonna show you what i can do and i just think that 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 feeling permeates throughout orlando at least against the bulls that i've seen well i mean like i like you, you like you said for sure for sure this is somebody who he played against. You know, he played for. When you get traded, I don't. I don't care who you are. When you play, even if you don't get traded, just playing against your former team, you want to give them thirty every game. That's. I don't know any player who doesn't feel that way. Whether it was they left on good or bad terms, just because it's your old team, you just want to do that. You, I know you did that Hooper Vision show last night for NBA.com. Did the Trailblazers and the the Lakers and boy it just yeah. I, I you haven't I've have not talked to you uh especially with LeBron being able to surpass Kareem Abdul-Jabbar what what does this mean for for the legacy of the league for LeBron to be able to do this because you think about uh, certain numbers that you never thought would be surpassed and then here's a guy here that would rather defer make others better a team guy and he's the one that's the leader in points what does that mean for the league that LeBron has done this Man, I think like like the biggest thing. I mean, first of all, what he did is is, is unreal, man. Nobody ever thought that record would be touched or or you know passed in our lifetime period. And so we thought it was one of those records that was you know going to be there forever. For him, like you say, to be a guy who was a pass first guy who was known you know to defer and do all those things and get other people involved, and for him to 
be the guy to break that record just just speaks to his levels of greatness. And then you got to talk about his, you know, his conditioning, the way he's been able to take care of his body. And even Kareem, the great Kareem, when he got to this late in his career, he wasn't averaging 30. He wasn't this spectacular as, as LeBron is, is uh, athletically. I mean, LeBron is still doing dunks right now that some of these young kids can't do and some guys in their prime wish they could do. So, I mean, what he's doing from a physical standpoint and from an all-time standpoint has never been done. And I I mean, I, I'm hoping that we get to start seeing this again with the medical advancements and the technology and maybe he's the, you know going to be the first to start this trend of guys being able to play later in their career as far as basketball players and still be this phenomenal and spectacular. But, I mean, that remains to be seen. This is a true testament to, you know, his dedication to the craft and his dedication to taking care of his body. And I know as an athlete the type of sacrifice you have to have and you have to put in to, to attain what he's attained from on all levels. So, I mean, you know, you can't do anything but take your hat off to him because he had incredible, you know, uh, uh, prospects put on him, and he, he surpassed everything. All those expectations that were put on him as a young 17-year-old kid, King James and the chosen one and all that, I mean, I don't even think anybody still thought he would achieve this type of stuff, and that's that's surpassing the expectations that were in front of him. So you got to put take your hat off to it. You know, Q was something that's not talked enough about. We talk about mogul, you know, all time great player, all that. But for any player to be able to play at that age and be able to put those numbers up, there has to be a love of the game. Now we could just say love of the game, but when someone still wants to be in it to the point where he'd love to be able to play with his son in the league. I'm not sure if we've ever seen that. I know we saw that in baseball with the Griffies. But imagine him wanting to be able to do that and still have love for the game to keep pushing, knowing that the Lakers are not in a position to really do much this year. He still wants to continue to play. So the love factor, I think, is not is kind of undersold to me. Oh, completely. I mean, you know, you add to the fact that he he a billionaire. So he out there because he's completely not out there because he has to be. Like you said, it has to be a a love and an affinity for the game of basketball that he has at the highest of height levels because this man is, you know, he's made more money than anybody doing it. And for him to still be, you know, having this type of sacrifice and this type of dedication and Clearly, clearly, the last thing he needs is any money. Money is no part of the motivation. So it has to solely be his drive and his dedication and, and, and wanting to be be what he is becoming in basketball. Just like you said, wanting to play with his son and being able to – he's gotten to the point to where he's played so long, he can now create new, new different goals that he never probably even had before. I'm sure when he started, he didn't say, hey, I'm, I want to play with my son. You know what I'm saying? So, I mean, it's just phenomenal what he's been able to do. Uh, I want to get your thoughts about the trade deadline only in this regard. I just, you know, it's funny how there are some that look at the NBA and say everybody wants to just get traded. Everyone wants to be able to move everywhere when really it's, it comes down to like five or six guys that have always wanted to be able to go someplace else. The Durant move of Durant going from Brooklyn to, to Phoenix, it's a head scratcher for me only because of this, Q. It's like, man, Durant, I thought, made the right move for him. I can't speak for him, but he made the right move for him. Did not want to be with Golden State, wanted to have his own cribs, his own setup. And then you come to, you turn around, there's no Harden, there's no Kyrie, there's no Durant. So, I mean, from Durant's standpoint, we know he's an all-time great. 
he here's another guy that loves basketball. But what does it mm-hmm. say for him to be able to move around saying, hey, I want this to be the spot where people want to come play with me. And then he jets and goes to Phoenix. I thought he wanted his own place. That's not his. That's CP3s. That's Booker's. He wants to, he's, now he's, again, trying to fit in to a spot that's already established. I thought he was trying to get away from that. No, I think, you know, I think this is a situation that, you know, it, it you know, it evolved as the circumstances did. I think, I think he did want to um, honestly be in Brooklyn. I think, you know, he had to play his, play the cards that were dealt to him. You never, you know, throughout this whole process, when Harden left, he was still there. Once things started to happen with Kyrie, he was still there and he was still supporting everything. And then, you know, once everything, if, if, if it's about to be what it turned into, you know, now the situation has gone from, from good to bad, and, and, and I don't know anybody that would want to stick around for, for all of that that was going on. And I think even the, the, the front office even kind of wanted a, a fresh start over. Like, because at this point, it's been so much, it, it, maybe the next year it might turn to this. So let's just, you know, rip the Band-Aid off now. And as far as going to Phoenix, I mean, I think that's the place where – the one thing about KD, man, to – he can fit in anywhere. He can play on any team, and I think it's it's not a lot of dudes that could do that. That really can go there and ingratiate themselves to the team with the teammates and everybody as a, as a whole. KD fits in. He, he he. I mean, obviously everybody has an ego. You don't get here without an ego. But he's one of the most selfless superstars that, that, that I've seen in the league. You know, especially right now in this generation. So for him, I mean, I think you know once he decided to go. To Phoenix, I mean that to me that was a, that was that was a given. It, not Phoenix, but hey, I'm not about to be here anymore when it's looking like this. Yeah. What is he supposed to do with that? Yeah, uh, with it being Valentine's Day, what is the spot for dinner, and why is it Uncle Remus? <laughs> why is it Uncle? See, I'm a <laughs> Southsider, man. You can't do that to me. I, 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 Uncle, I'm not against Uncle Remus, but you know I'm. I, if, if I, I'm a, I'm a rep Harold before that. That's you know I've had it. I ain't gonna front. Uncle Remus bomb, but you know I'm I'm from the hundreds, man. I gotta you know I gotta keep it real. Yeah, that's, you gotta take care of the hood. I understand that. You gotta take care of home. So Valentine's Day dinner. Are you what, what's the order? And it, how much mild sauce do you have? Are you going with the four the half white? You getting gizzards on the side? What are you doing? No, nah, I'm 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 keeping it all wings, man. You know, we're gonna <laughs> stick to the wings. You know what I'm saying? Heavy salt and pepper me and go ahead you know what I'm saying, all the mild sauce I could have, you feel me? Right, right. And you still go I mean you can have heroes on a random like Tuesday or Wednesday, but you still gonna do it even for Valentine's. You're not even gonna step up for a little Uncle Remus for a little switch. You still ain't gonna do nah, it. Nah, man, listen. Listen. <laughs> <laughs> my wife, first of all, my wife would kill me. I tried to get her hair or or Uncle Remus for Valentine's Day, so we ain't going to really do that for real. But, like, nah, if all day long, if I got to choose between the two, I'm going Harold. No, I'm with you. I'm with you. I mean, if, but if she wanted to switch it up, I'm like, okay, one time. But we got to go right back to – we got to go back to, uh, to Harold's for sure. That's what I would be doing. Yeah, uh, I ain't mad at it, you know? Yeah, <laughs> I know you not. That's why I asked, that's why I asked the question, man. So – um, lastly, I want to get your thoughts on this. So, so, you know, I'm doing commentary for the UIC Flames. I've been there for a decade. And every time I go th- and go look at rosters, I'm like, hey, this dude's from the crib. This guy's from Chicago. This guy's from the Chicago suburbs, whatever, right? And so, you know, you had your choices to go anywhere you wanted to because of how outstanding you were as a high school athlete, as a high school basketball player. So what, what can, Colleges like DePaul, like UIC, Northwestern, others can do to keep more kids in the, from the Chicagoland area to stay home. 
time. Hey man. Yeah. I got a I got I got I got I got a I got I got a best friend named Dennis Gate. Mm-hmm. Right? Yep. I know him. Okay, so you know what he's doing, right? What's the latest? The latest is he had Missouri turning it upside down. Yep. So you feel me like get people from your city that's credible. We got credible people from our city that could come. Be a part of UIC, DePaul, or wherever, you know? Like, they, hey, I know what my boy do. He he get it in. He recruit the city. Mm-hmm. He a Chicago public school product. Yep. Born and bred. He know the city. The city know him. And he got relationships, and that's why he's doing his thing. I covered so him. You got you, you, you to try and do that. I covered him at Cleveland State uh, when he was a coach there. So I know, I know Dennis. Um, I just... You, you know what I'm saying, though. Like, it's like when I look at these rosters and there's teams that come from all over the, the country and they play uh, against Chicago teams. It's just like, man, everyone's leaving. And so but that was not the case when you were when you went to DePaul. What were your other choices? Because you had a lot. Uh, final five was UConn, Arizona, Colorado, Kentucky, Kansas. Mm-hmm. And the final two was Kansas and DePaul. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah, I hear what you're saying, man. What you what you're saying is get you know get your nil money up. You know, get your get get your program I up. Even really say all nil money because I don't I don't think I don't I don't know how all of that. I, well, I don't know. I don't know how the nil and all that works. But I know D Gates. They the nil just came out. He's been doing his thing five years, getting Chicago kids for ten years. When he was at Florida State, Cal, Marquette, other schools, he was able to recruit the city. Mm-hmm. And this had nothing to do with you know nil money. Nil wasn't even around now. And I don't know how all of that works, but from everything I could tell, he's doing well within the nil situation as well. So yeah, and, and again, you had your choices. So I guess what it will I'll dig into is. You had your choices, but you stayed at the crib. Why did you do that? Why did you go choose DePaul? Well, two reasons. I mean, one the one big reason was was Coach Kennedy did an amazing job recruiting me, man. Like you got to be able to recruit. He he was able to you know the the, the paint a vision for me and my family that that we wanted to be a part of. And then number two, for me it was the crib, and I, I'm close with my family, and it was like they get to come to. To, to almost every game, you know, they can be at every home game, but you know, the teams we play, they can drive to those cities. They all basically Midwest, and you know, we they would be able to see me play basically every game, and so that was a big part of it for me. And lastly, it was like they they didn't have a team really. They were they were just Pat Kennedy had just got there, and we would be like his first recruiting class. So we knew we were stepping right into a position. And, you know, I had Bobby Simmons, Lance Williams, Chicago Public League guys, and we felt like we were doing something that hadn't been done since, you know, the days of Mark McGuire and Terry Cummings, Teddy Grubbs, and those DePaul days back then. So we felt like we could try and be part of something special and do something there in that way. Q, I'm glad you stopped by, man. Well, I just wanted to connect with you, especially as the Magic uh, spanked the Bulls again. <laughs> so, I, <laughs> so I know you're covering that team and watching the whole league. So thanks so much for giving us some time here on Under the Hood. No doubt, man. Anytime, Jay. Great to catch up with Quentin Richardson from Bally's Sports Orlando and, of course, the Knuckleheads podcast. Wherever you get your podcast, some great stories that are told between Darius Miles and Quentin Richardson on that podcast. 
The executive producer of the Under the Hood Basketball Podcast is Jay Moore. And don't forget, we are brought to you by Manscaped, manscaped.com. A great gift for you or for the one that you love. Below the waist grooming, manscaped.com. Use my code HOOD, H-O-O-D, and save 20% off. Again, manscaped.com. They've got everything you need in a nice little kit. You're going to love it, manscaped.com. And again, the promo code is HOOD. All right, we'll talk to you next time with another edition of the Under the Hood Basketball Podcast with me, Jay Hood. Thanks for listening.